And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And we're back. <laughs> yeah, folks, we're still dealing with this, this horrible thing that happened. In fact, I was watching the press conference um, as new facts emerge, old facts are debunked, trying to get to the bottom of what actually happened. It's a terribly tragic situation. And I don't think we're going to know probably for a number of days exactly what happened, although they're trying to once again straighten out some of the misinformation uh, that they shared at the very beginning of the thing. But before I get to all of that, I want to remind everybody, of course, that we've got our American uh, Marriage, Family, and Life conference coming up. And I uh, want to encourage you to sign up for that because we are in the final moments. Uh, just We just opened up registration again to give people an opportunity to go who had been expressing an interest. And, in, you know, we thought we basically had had to close registration, but we have reopened it to give everybody who wants to go an opportunity to do just that. So I would encourage you, this is going to be a tremendous conference, something that you don't want to miss. Uh, and, and what more important issue to talk about than marriage, family, and life at a time when we seem to have just, in so many ways, completely lost sight of the importance of family in our country. So I would just encourage you. Uh, this is the last opportunity we have to register, and it's going to be, of course, on uh, uh, that, let's put it this way, we're closing registration on May 31st at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. The event takes place on July 7th through 9th at the Bank Corp South Arena, 375 East Main Street in Tupelo. It's going to be two conferences at once, Marriage Family Life Conference with a youth apologetics track as well for ages 4 through 17. Now, the cost is $70 per person for adults and $35 per child, again, ages 4 through 17. If you want to have a booth at the conference, those cost $150. Uh, I would just encourage you to go to marriagefamilylife.net. That's marriagefamilylife.net and register now. Now, this is Memorial Day weekend coming up, and I hope that all of you are planning to have a, a wonderfully restful time this weekend. Let's remember all of those who have given their lives in defense of our liberty in our country. And so many have gone before us to pave the way for our freedom that we must never, ever forget them. Uh, Memorial Day is, to me, a sacred day in our country because while freedom is free to those who can experience it, to those who are blessed to be born, the, the, child, the children born today are born free and they don't have to pay a thing for it. But others did. Others did. And in the same way that salvation is free to the people who receive it, but it's not free in the absolute sense because it was paid for by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our freedom in this nation is free to each of us who are born 
or become naturalized citizens in the freest nation in the history of mankind, we don't have to pay for that freedom. Others did. I will say this, folks. We had better be prepared to pay to preserve it. We had better be prepared to give our all to do that. Our founding fathers pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. I think we can do no less to preserve the great legacy of liberty that we have been bequeathed by them uh, and that has been paid for by the sacrifices of so many who have gone before us and given their lives, or as Lincoln put it, their last full measure of devotion. So just want to honor you, you veterans out there. Thank you for your service, as always. And for those of you who have relatives who died fighting for our country, thank you for being willing to share them with the entire nation. I don't know whether I've ever shared this story with you all, but one of the members of my church, um, her sister, had a son. His name was Sergeant Javon Jordan. And uh, I preached his funeral because he died in the war in Iraq. And his mother told the story that he was volunteering to go back for a second tour of duty. And she was complaining about that and saying, well, you know, you've done your duty. Why do you need to go back? And, you know, if you go back, something could go wrong. And said he very deliberately marched from the, the living room to the kitchen and stood over his mother and said, I am willing to give my life for my country. That's the kind of person that this nation has been producing throughout our history. And for all of those who want to point to America as a horrible place and you know, a terrible nation, and we're this and we're that, and, you know, they, I won't even go through the, the list of, of charges against us. I point to people like Sergeant Javon Jordan, and of course, he among so many others. I just point to him because I know I knew his family, preached his funeral. I, this was I was personally involved uh, with with the sacrifice that he made in some way. Uh, but he is he is so typical of so many others. And of course, uh, you all know that I'm a Vietnam era veteran. I did not see combat. I joined in 1970, expecting to go to Vietnam. As it turned out, they were winding the war down. And I, I don't think I've met anybody. Uh, there's One of you listening to me is different. Please let me know. I don't think I've met anybody who joined in 1970 or after who went to Vietnam. Everybody I know who went to Nam went before they joined in the late 1960s. And uh, and they, they actually had to see combat. And, and I did not. But I'll tell you what. I have friends who did. And some of them bear the scars now. 40 years later of what they experienced in Vietnam, fighting against a, 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 an evil, wicked ideology and enemy. You know, uh, if I may, just on, on Vietnam, uh, I always had uh, a lot of, of, of affection for Muhammad Ali because I just thought he was entertaining and bold and brash and, and all of that. And I always respected Dr. King because I thought that God used him in a magnificent way in this country to try to heal a major problem of our nation without violence. But they were both, and so many others, were completely wrong about the Vietnam War. Completely wrong. 
because they turned it into some kind of racial thing. Like we were here again, as always, this is what the left does. They turned it, they bought into the, the, the nonsense that somehow because these were Asian people against them, it had nothing to do with that, which is just silly, stupid when you think about it because we were there fighting with the South Vietnamese. It was the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong that were communists, and we were fighting against communism, not fighting against a group, of, a racial group. But you know all this stuff, those people have never done anything to me. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, they would. They would. Those communists would do something to people in the whole world, and it was a noble battle. And frankly, I think it wasn't lost by our military. It was lost by politicians who were just, frankly, outsmarted by the Viet Cong. And they used our own citizens against us in that case. But none of that denigrates, none of that denigrates the great sacrifices made by our people fighting for our freedom in Vietnam as well as in other parts of the world. By the way, just as a footnote, I've always believed that Jane Fonda should have been put in jail, arrested and tried and found guilty of treason. But that's another matter. I'm honoring those who did the right thing. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. This week I spent some time talking about misinformation and disinformation. Therefore, it's worth mentioning a commentary by John Lott with the appropriate title, When Misinformation Drives Bad Policy. He's the author of books and scholarly research on many topics, but is probably best known for his research and writing on guns, crime, and gun policy. He has been on my radio program many times, and I trust his careful research. So you can imagine my surprise when I read a statistic that seemed totally inaccurate. He found that the average American assumes that guns are involved in nearly half of all violent crimes. The true figure is less than 8%. That just didn't even seem right. Does he really mean that 92% of violent crimes in America do not involve firearms? Yes, that's exactly what he means. You can check his link to the U.S. Department of Justice and the National Crime Victimization Survey for 2020. In his commentary, he cites a survey of 1,000 likely voters that shows how misinformed Americans are about guns and violent crime. The survey found large differences among groups. Democrats are much more likely to assume that a majority of violent crimes involve guns. By contrast, a much lower percentage of Republicans believe that. These percentages also influence the policies Americans propose. Respondents who were close to the actual percentage of guns involved in violent crime believe the best way to fight crime was to arrest violent criminals. Those who thought that more than 80% of violent crimes involved guns support more gun control laws along with stricter enforcement of current gun laws. All of this makes sense. If you think most violent crimes involve guns, you're going to propose more gun control laws. If you know the actual percentage, you're going to propose other law enforcement policies. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Inflation, go to viewpoints.info inflation. That's viewpoints.info inflation. Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. Here's something you'll rarely hear shouted at a Major League Baseball game. Hey, great call, ump! <laughs> Even the best, most experienced umpire will face constant criticism, taunting, and ridicule for every decision. Spectators only talk to them if they're angry about a call that was made. Does your son feel like an umpire in his everyday life, constantly surrounded by criticism? 
At school, is he teased by his friends? Do his well-meaning teachers focus on the problems he missed? At home, do you remind him of the chores he didn't do and the vegetables he didn't eat? Make it your goal to verbally affirm your son for the things he's doing well. He needs that affirmation more than you can possibly realize. To learn about the five critical needs of boys, visit Trail F USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Learn more at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. It is First Amendment Friday. I want to start getting your calls in as soon as they come in. 888-589-8840 is the number. That's 888-589-8840. And as you all know, anything is on the table, anything we've talked about this week, or for that matter, something we didn't talk about that you think needs to be raised. I know we've been, this week we have, uh, we have been discussing mainly the terrible tragedy down uh, in Uvalde, Texas, which, in fact, they're having a press conference on that, uh, even as we speak, trying to clarify uh, some of the issues. I won't go through a detail minute by minute. I did transcribe some notes listening to a couple of people now, and the, the situation changed. But there is a controversy now surrounding the police. Um, and, and, and as you all know, I'm a big supporter of law enforcement, and, and I just think the fog of war and all of that uh, we need to wait and get the facts. I think the police may well have made some mistakes here, um, but they've never faced anything like this. And so I'm willing to at least give them the benefit of the doubt and wait to hear what all the facts are before jumping to conclusions and jumping on the police. Um, here are the three uh, issues that are being raised. Uh, one has nothing to do with the police. The first is the, the fact that one of the school doors was open. Why was the school door opened? Um, I've heard some discussion that maybe a teacher had opened it and failed to close it back so that it was locked. Because if the school doors had been locked, he would have never gotten in. He probably would have not have gotten in and the police would have been there and engaged him outside. But because the school door was open, that proved to be a truly fatal mistake on somebody's part. And that's not the police fault. But the thing that the police are being accused of right now is that they failed to breach the classroom door. It took them an hour before they breached the classroom door and went in and killed him. And yet they were in there. They say the police waited 40 minutes before going in. That, that, that's wrong. They went into the school almost immediately, I think within several minutes after the assailant did. But, they, but he barricaded a classroom door and I guess there's, there's some issue. Why didn't they breach that door immediately? Now, here again, I don't know whether he had killed all those children uh, by the time the police followed him in only four or five minutes later. Um, some have said, but if they had breached the door immediately, maybe some of the children might have might have been bleeding and might their lives might have been saved. In other words, uh, the failure to breach that door for an hour allowed any child who might have survived to bleed out. And that's a legitimate concern. We need to, we need to figure out what was going on, what, what was on their minds. I've heard it, that, that door referred to as a funnel of death. In other words, he's there guarding that very narrow entryway and you're trying to get in through it, that every police officer only one at a time can go through, that every police officer who goes through that door 
is a sitting duck. Uh, but nevertheless, that's what police officers are trained to do. Uh, the third issue that I've heard, uh, and by the way, some experts are suggesting part of the problem is it's a small police department. They've got a total of only six police officers. Nobody's ever faced anything like this, and that, that the training simply was not adequate to know exactly what needed to be done. That they that they did not have uh, the necessary shields or equipment for 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 getting through that door. Uh, they had not thought through a scenario like this, and they were to some extent paralyzed in terms of what to do next. Now, here again, that's one of the explanations I've heard. I'm not saying that, that you or I should necessarily buy that. I'm just offering this is what this is what some people are suggesting for why it took them almost an hour before they breached the door. The third criticism of police officers that I'm hearing is the treatment of parents outside. There were parents who wanted to go in and try to rescue their children. Uh, this said that one woman actually broke free from the police after having been handcuffed. And when she was released, she went and literally found her way into the school and got her children and came out with them. Uh, here again, is that is that true? I, I don't know. Is that the whole story? I don't know. That's that's what we're being given right now, but that there were other parents. Apparently, one was tased and one was pepper sprayed and, and all of that because they wanted to try to get in and, and help their children. I can understand police officers saying, you know, we're doing an investigation. We're trying to get to the bottom of this. You going in there is only going to further endanger yourself and potentially others, and we don't want you to get hurt in the potential crossfire. And I understand that. Uh, that's why I say it's, it's really hard to second guess cops in these kinds of situations, because I'm sure they're not they're not being heartless and cold and saying we don't care about your children and why are you all worked up. But they're thinking, uh, let's not complicate things further by having a bunch of people rushing in there who now become part of the problem. Um, so but my goodness gracious, in a situation like that, you, you really got to figure out something to do, because. Boy, it, you know, tasing parents, if, if this is true, if this is true, and I say put a big if on that, tasing parents and pepper spraying parents in a situation like that is, is just not, boy, that's, that's got to be the very, very, very last resort. Because, it, you know, you, these parents, their hearts are broken. They're not thinking straight. They don't, they, all they know is that their children are in danger and they want to get them out of there. And there's got to be some awareness that you know, that's that's just a normal human reaction. I've talked about that. The parents, you start messing with people's kids, and well, you 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 are in real danger because parents have a visceral, instinctive reaction to try to protect their children. So I don't know what happened between the police and the parents there, but that's that's one of the criticisms that's being um, made against the police. And I've counseled people who've asked me about it. Look, just just sit tight. Wait, wait for all the facts to come out. I, I he, this is what I would say finally in conclusion. While the police may have, and it does appear that they made some mistakes, probably lack of training, small community, uh, nothing like this ever been confronted before. Um, you can rest assured, some of these police officers had relatives, had friends whose children were in that school. These cops were not being negligent or being cavalier or callous toward what was going on. I think they were just doing the best that they knew how with the what whatever limited training that they had 
and whatever kind of leadership they have. So we'll get to the bottom of it and, and draw some conclusions, I hope, that will help police officers in the future to know better how to handle these situations. We hope that they don't happen in the future, but we know that they will. Um, and in small communities, police have to be trained how to deal with a, a, a very, very, what's got to be a very, very difficult. And I mean, here again, you, you can't even describe what it must feel like to be in the middle of something like that. And the innocent children are just being taken to the slaughter. I mean, my goodness gracious. I, I, man, I, I don't ever want to have to face anything like that in my life because I just can't imagine the trauma that 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 creates on the human soul to have to deal with something like that. And police officers are human beings too. So, so let's give them the benefit of the doubt and, and let's, let's see exactly what happened once the, the, the sort of fog of war is lifted and we can look at it more clearly. 888-589-8840 uh, is the number. One other thing, and then I'll come to your calls. I'm a little bit disappointed uh, by, by Lee Greenwood and, and a couple of other singers who decided that they're not going to sing at the NRA convention because of this. You know, I'm not scheduled to speak at the NRA convention, but if I were, I'd go. Because this has nothing to do with the NRA and, and the NRA's protection and defense of, of the Second Amendment. It has nothing to do with that. But see, this is buying into the argument of the left as if somehow support for the Second Amendment is responsible for the deaths of these children. 888-589-8840 is the number. I, I forgive Lee Greenwood as, long, as, as many times as I've, tears have come to my eyes listening to him saying, I'm proud to be an American. I got to give him the benefit of the doubt too, but I just think that that's a mistake. Okay, let's come to your calls. Uh, let's go to Gene in North Carolina. Gene, welcome. Hey, um, um, I'm a very simple person, but I would like to know, um, all these kids running around with these guns, shooting and killing folks, and they're still at home with their parents, and they're underage, why aren't their parents held responsible when they go out and do certain things that they, that they do? Yeah. Or is that possible? Wow, Jane, that, Jane, thank you for the call, Jane. Uh, that's a profound question. I think in some cases that's it is justified to hold parents responsible when they've been negligent with their weapons uh, or negligent with their children. But but it's a very tough one because sometimes parents have done all that they can and children are human beings, particularly when they get up to 16, 17 years old, uh, you know, 18, that in some ways you're an adult, but 16, 17, 15 years old, kids are very ingenious and and they can they can do things that parents have done all that they can to guard against. Um, so, but in some cases, you're right. Parents probably should be held accountable for what their children do. In this case, I think the grandmother was at a loss. I don't know where the mother or the, and we haven't heard anything. Uh, I don't think about the father. Uh, but and here again, folks, this gets back to this issue. We need fathers. We need families strengthened fathers in these homes to provide the kind of guidance and direction and authority for their children that they need. Uh, and with all due respect, God bless these women who try to do it on their own, doing the best they can. But, but when a guy gets to a certain point, he, he needs a dad to say, look, boy, here's the way it's going to be. Um, and, 
you know, so you raise a good point, though. And in some cases, that may be necessary. That may be appropriate. I, this one, I'm really not quite sure about that in this case. Uh, oh, 888-589-8840 is the number. Folks, as soon as I come back, I'll come right back to more of your calls. It's my turn. Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. The carpenter from Nazareth had about him some very definite human qualities for the very simple reason that he was very definitely a human. Two of those qualities stand out. Without them, life can hardly be worth the effort of living. The first quality which the Galilean had and which we need is that in every bad situation he saw some good. Things must never get so dark that we cannot still see the light needed for living. It was a bad situation that Christ saw the tax collector Matthew in, but Jesus saw the good in Matthew the man. It was a bad situation when Peter ran out on his Lord, but Jesus saw the good in Peter, even the faithfulness and steadfastness. Jesus even nicknamed him the rock. The cross was a bad situation, man's highest contempt for God. But Jesus saw the good which could come from it. The second quality of Jesus which you and I need is this. In every problem he saw a possibility. In every problem he faced, Jesus sought and found some possibility through which he could bring honor to his Father. Faced with the problem of traveling through Samaria, a country avoided by the Jews, he used the occasion for the possibility of revealing who he was to a sinful Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Faced with the problem of worried disciples on the Sea of Galilee in a storm, he found the possibility to show the power and concern of God. The secret here is that we strive to be like Christ. In every bad situation, we need to look for the good. If we look for the good, we will find it. If we look for the bad or look to find fault, we'll find that. Thoreau Harris once wrote, Look for the beautiful. Seek to find the true. No person can honestly call himself a follower of the Galilean who continually looks only for what is wrong. Jesus was a positive person who believed in the power and the goodness and the concern of God. He believed in a God who could and would help in every situation. We also need to look for the possibilities in every problem. John Wesley, with the church doors of England closed to him, turned reluctantly to preaching in the open air. It opened a whole new, exciting, and extremely rewarding way of life to him. There's an old saying which contains much truth. Every adversity hides a possibility. We can actually turn bad problems into good possibilities. Pilgrim's Progress was written in Bedford Jail where John Bunyan was a prisoner because he preached religious toleration and freedom. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon once said that 
many men owed the grandeur of their lives to their tremendous difficulties. Occasionally, when our vision is blurred by problems, we cannot see sights which at other times are so clear. When this happens, we need more than ever to remember that the oyster turns into pearl the sand which annoys it. In every bad situation, look for the good. In every problem, seek the possibility. If you'll do these things, they will help you live and love it. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Uh, I am monitoring the news as, um, as the program goes on, and it looks like the Texas Department of Public Safety is admitting now that they think it was a tactical mistake to wait to breach that classroom door, that they should have done that immediately. So there's always already some admission of, uh, of, a, of a real bad decision on their part. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how all of this unfolds and what the fallout is going to be. Uh, I did see, I don't know whether you all caught this interview of a police chief. Uh, the guy was a police chief of Boston when the Boston Marathon bombing happened. He's a Marine Corps veteran, trained police officer. He said when he arrived on the scene and saw the carnage, he said that he froze. And he said he just he just froze, like he went into a kind of out-of-body experience. He said he found himself trying to treat a woman who was bleeding from the foot. And he said that a, a, a state trooper grabbed him from the back and kind of shook him and yanked him up and said, Chief, we need you in the middle of the street. In other words, we need you giving direction. He said, and when, when that happened, he said he came to himself. He said, and then his training kicked in and he took some deep breaths because they're taught how to, how to lower the adrenaline, the cortisol level, how to get that stuff out of your brain, so to speak, so that you can think clearly. He said, and, and he was angry with himself over his response because he's trained to know how to respond to these things. But you know, training and, and the body and the mind, it's, it's not as simple as it sounds. And so that's why I say, you know, it's easy to, 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 to armchair quarterback and say, well, if I, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And, and you might be right, too. It looks like people are right to question why it took them so long to breach that door. But I'll tell you what, these are not easy situations that we can just kind of, you know, cavalierly say, oh, yeah, should we just do this? Uh, because your, your, your body and your mind are reacting to, to the most horrific circumstances that, frankly, I don't think God even designed human beings to have to deal with. And that's why I have so, such respect for our military people and our law enforcement officers, because they deal with things that they're trained to deal with things that we as human beings don't ever want to have to confront in our lives. 888-589-8840 is the number Let's come back to your calls. Let's go to David in Kansas. David, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, having me, Bishop Jackson. Hey, I wanted to say, you know, um, we're all somewhat liable for for the the decline in morality in this country. Um, we're all somewhat to blame. We need to return to Christ first and foremost. As a Amen. secondary issue, 
I, I, you know, they're always talking about guns, 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 and, and maybe maybe that does need to be discussed. However, I would counter that a lot of these are young men who sit around watching video games, violent video games, uh, and I think it tends to desensitize them. And I cannot remember the stats. I've heard them before, but it's been some time ago, about by the time a child 18 years of age, how many murders they've seen on TV. And uh, we might take yeah. note that a lot of these cases are young men um, that have been uh, indoctrinated in these, desensitized by these things. Thank you very much yeah. for having me, Bishop. David, thank you for the call. And, and look, I couldn't agree with you more. And I've commented on that, that, that we need to come back to those Judeo-Christian values and principles. I mean, why is it okay to show young kids sexually explicit pictures of homosexual acts? Um, and, and yet, if you put up the Ten Commandments, somehow it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constitutional crisis. I mean, that doesn't even make sense, folks. 888-589-8840. So you couldn't be more right. We need to come back to Jesus Christ. That is the answer. Okay, let's see. Let's go to Kay in Mississippi. Kay, welcome. Okay. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have two questions. One, well, a question and a comment. First question, do you think that Hunter Biden is benefiting, since he uh, had some dealings with the Ukraine, do you think he is ben- benefiting uh monetarily from the um, billions of dollars that the United States is sending to the Ukraine. And the second comment I wanted to make is, uh, you know, you were talking about the Vietnam War and everything. I come from a family of nine um, siblings, uh, six brothers, three daughters. Uh, six of my brothers joined the military. I joined the military. My two daughters, sisters, excuse me, two sisters did not join, but they have two sons each, and they both have their two sons joined the military. So. We have a total military family background here. When he was, when my brothers were in Vietnam, uh, one was in Pleiku, the other one's in Da Nang, and then my first cousin was in Saigon all at the same time. I was watching TV, and they were talking. I was a young child, basically. I was watching TV, and they were screaming and yelling at the guys getting off the planes and stuff at that time. And when yeah. my brothers came back, they kind of sneaked in the back door, basically, so no one would see them getting off the planes and everything. It just really has uh, affected our whole family. But the one thing that's happening today, I have one brother that's got Parkinson's and dementia. He's 73 or 4 years old because of Agent Orange. And that's a big deal. And I just wanted to just ask about the Hunter Biden deal more than anything. Well, Kay, first of all, thank you and your family for your service. We really do appreciate that. God bless you all. And thank you for the call, Kay. On Hunter Biden, that's a brilliant question, Kay. It really is, because I hadn't even thought about that. But when billions of dollars go into a country that is known to some extent to have some corruption operating, there's no telling how Hunter Biden could benefit. And I think that he does still have connections uh, financially to the Ukraine, just as he does uh, to China. I, I think he's, he's not surrendered all of these foreign uh, entanglements that he has. So who knows? Uh, so we'll, we'll, let's hope that a new Congress will get to the bottom of that. But as far as the Vietnam War is concerned, uh, I, I, Kay, I couldn't be more proud of you and your family for having served. And I tell you, it, it makes me emotional <clears throat> 
to hear you say that our brave people coming back from having fought in that war get treated like dogs. I mean, and that's that's a sticking point with me. It's just, it's utterly ridiculous. But this is what the left has done to us as a country. Why most college campuses, you know, or many, don't want ROTC on their campuses. I mean, and yet these are the people who will defend our liberty if we are faced with a, a threat to it. So it's, it's really ridiculous. But you let your, your family know that there are people like me, millions of us, tens of hundreds of millions of us all over this country who honor their service and are deeply appreciative for the sacrifices that they made. Uh, let's see if we can get, um, uh, oh, many of you have been waiting so patiently. Glenn, also in Mississippi. Glenn, welcome. Do I'm not a vet, but if I had to do over again, I would. All right. Um, do you think the draft would beat some of the bug out of the thugs? Uh, you know, Glenn, um, I don't know that a draft would work in this country unless we were faced with a serious military threat. In other words, an actual war, like a worldwide war. Um, but I'll tell you what's, what's even more concerning to me, Glenn, is this. And thank you for the call, by the way. You know, I've talked about the fact that France was overrun by Hitler in six weeks, and they had, yet they had fought valiantly in World War II. But what happened between World War I and World War II? They were demoralized by the intelligentsia, by the intellectuals, by the scholars, by the, by the pundits and the prognosticators who told them that, that patriotism toward France was unhealthy and that they needed to be citizens of the world. Anatoly France, one of the chief uh, and, and most famous scholars in France, used to say to people, unless we see ourselves as citizens of the world, civilization is doomed. And they re really demoralized the French people. So I'll tell you, Glenn, what concerns me is the left demoralizing our country and making us think that we have a country that's not worth fighting for, that's not worth standing up for. Because that's the way the left acts. They don't want to stand up for the flag. They don't want to honor the national anthem. They'll go to England and stand up for God save the queen, but not for the American flag. That's got to stop. Back in a moment. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. 
Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted, and they are suffering big time right now. This is Bible League International, and 19-year-old Aria was beaten by her own father and violated by local authorities. You know what her crime was? Simply that she gave her life to Jesus Christ after leaving radical Islam. Now, she didn't grow bitter. She grew bold, and with others in her evangelical church near Cairo, Egypt, they've seen more than 300 come to Christ, but as new believers are pressured to renounce Jesus, they need Bibles in order to endure and persevere. And elsewhere in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight. Now, his family was unable to pay the ransom, so the Islamic radicals, they beat Yusuf and killed the deacon. But you know, in spite of this mistreatment and the loss of his friend, Pastor Yusuf says it is an honor to suffer for Jesus. And that's why we're sending God's Word at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20 Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. God bless you for caring. For instance, if you have trouble telling the whole truth, you tend to tell half the truth. Just say, this week I'm going to tell the whole truth and nothing but. I'm not going to imply something that's not true. A challenge about taming your tongue and telling the truth from Deborah Pagay on Focus on the Family Minute. Here's an example. I tend to run late for things sometimes, and I'll just come <laughs> in. Now, in L.A., you know, I would rush in and go, ah, traffic. Yeah, now, I didn't say I was in traffic. Yeah. I didn't say I was in traffic. I just said traffic. <laughs> Half truth. My husband said, listen, the half truth is a whole lie. <laughs> wow, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And so you see subtle ways that we can like not tell the truth. And so we all have negative uses of the tongue. So I, when I started this project, I said, I'm going to look up every negative use of the tongue I can find in the Bible. I'm going to find scriptures for them. And then I'm going to uh, put a challenge out there to refrain from it. The half truth is a whole lie. You'll hear more wisdom from Deborah at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. All right, let's come back to your calls. Let's go to Jason in Texas. Jason, welcome. Hey, Brother Bishop. You know, uh, I know you're blessed and blessed as well. You know, our hearts and prayers go out to the families of these young kids that lost their lives tragically. Um, But there is a way to avoid this. I mean... Uh, we have a lot of veterans been calling in uh, to various stations talking about how they would volunteer a couple days a week to go stand guard at some of these schools. And um, I wanted to make two points real quick. Um, first point is I have multiple ARs, me and my wife. We have multiple handguns, shotguns, rifles, 100-round drums, 100-round uh, banana clips. Our guns, we got knives, shovels, axes, everything. <laughs> None of our stuff goes out and hurts nobody. You know, it, yeah. it's there to protect us and our family. And the second point I wanted to make is, uh, you know, the people calling for gun control and all this stuff are the same ones that are murdering our babies. And they're brainwashing our kids. So the same ones mm-hmm. that hate our kids are the same ones that want to be, you know, take our guns away from defending our kids. So... We love you, yeah. brother. God bless you, and keep speaking the truth. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for your call. Uh, yeah, this, this this stuff is just, it's, it, it is, here again, it is a godless worldview because here's the way they think. They think that if you can just change the system, you make people good. It's the system that makes them bad. Get rid of the guns, you get rid of the violence. No, because violence is in the human heart, not in the weapon. 
So thank you for the call, Jason. Uh, let's go to Joshua in Virginia. Joshua, welcome. My brother, Bishop, thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you so much. God bless you and, and all the listeners. Uh, just real quick, a couple things. Uh, you were talking about demoralization. I just want to share Yuri Bezmanov. Yuri Bezmanov, ex-CIA, or I mean, ex-KGB defector, gets into a lot of that. He died a long time ago, but a lot of good info about how to counter it. But the real reason, though, that I'm calling, talking about the AR platform versus shotguns, etc., Mm-hmm. And I was, I've been thinking about this a lot, why they're trying to take the AR. And see, uh, come to realize that the AR-15 with the two, two, three round, the five, five, six round, it has such versatility and has such range, and it also has such armor-piercing capabilities. They call it America's rifle for a reason. You can take a 45-year-old, 120-pound woman, give her an AR, and she's on an equal playing field of a, a military that's <laughs> fighting against her, right? But if you mm-hmm. give a militia, a local population militia, handguns and, and shotguns, those won't even penetrate a level 3A body armor. But most militaries wear in a level 3 plate armor. And you get an AR, it's a rifle that penetrates your standard armor. And some AR rounds have the velocity, even with longer barrels as well, to penetrate plate armor. So you take away that particular platform that the population can get their hands on, and then they have lesser weaponry, and they're inferior. And then and hmm. tyrannical governments and military can destroy easily that population. And that's the reason why we have the Second Amendment, is to keep us protected from those tyrannical governments and militaries. So that platform Amen. and its versatility and the people using it is so easy, and it keeps us on a level playing ground. So we got to make sure that we, we stand for that. But at the end of the well, day, brother... Even though they're trying to take them away and kill us, we still got to love them and pray for them. Anyways, love Amen. you, brother. God bless you. Thank you. Love you too, Joshua. Thank you so much. I don't think they thought through it that well. Um, I think there are probably those, obviously, who have. But I think this it's just mainly emotional and emotive. Because let's face it, what they really like to do is take away all of our weapons, all of our firearms, not just they love to disarm the American people. That's what they really want. That's what some European countries have managed to do, pretty much disarm the entire population. You know, they've got, I forget which nations, but in some cases where they don't even allow their police officers to carry weapons. 888-589-8840 is the number. Let's go to... Wiley in Mississippi. Wiley, welcome. Uh, yeah, Bishop, thank you. Uh, I just want to say what's going on with these young people. They don't have no hope. Uh, they took prayer and Bible reading out of school back in the 60s. This nation come forth on the name of Jesus Christ. Despiritualize education, demoralize a nation. The wicked shall be turned into... It's gone. Yeah. Okay, Wally, you're breaking up on me. I heard you quote the psalm, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Thank you for the call, Wiley. Call me back again when we can get you on with a good signal. But you're absolutely right. And I'm here again, we, I've addressed that on the program. We're, we're not looking at a, a problem of guns. We're looking at a problem of the hearts of people. And everything that the cultural institutions in our country uh, is everything that they are doing all lends itself to a spiritual vacuum. I mean, think about this, folks. You go to Harvard, right? And you find out there's a chaplain at Harvard, but the chaplain is an atheist. 
So when you go to get counsel or you go because you're having problems, you go to an atheist whose message to you is there is no God. And here again, folks, the number is 888-589-8840. But let me just just put this out there. The left, they're, they're really so stupid. Because, you know, when you reject God, you really do just go stupid. Because think about this. If there is no God, if God is not real, and by the way, he is definitely real because I know him. <laughs> and many of you know him. Then there are no rules other than what people make up. And those rules are not made up on the basis of right or wrong. They're made up on the basis of what people think is convenient from their own perspective. Right. So if there are no rules, if there is no God and there are no absolute rules, who says Hitler was wrong? I mean, Darwin says the survival of the fittest, you get rid of the weak to make room for the strong. And that way you advance the cause of the species in the earth. And we know that's monstrous thinking and it's evil and it's wicked. But without God says who? Who says it's wrong? Hitler obviously didn't think it was wrong. This is the road they would lead us down with all this moral and spiritual and cultural relativism and get God out of the way and we can do whatever we want to do and anything sexual goes and pretty much anything. You can abort babies. You can, you can, you know, and by the way, I thought about this, folks, and I'm coming right back to your calls. When a baby is born, it's still attached to its mother's umbilical cord. So while the baby is attached to the mother's umbilical cord, it is still dependent upon the mother for life, right? It is still a part of the mother's body. Can you kill it then? Well, what's the difference between that and the moment before it comes out from its mother's birth canal? 888-589-8840 is the number, but that's the ugly road that the moral and cultural relativism of the left wants to take us into. All right, we've got all Texas all the time for the for what seems like the rest of the program. So let's get to Janet in Texas. Janet, welcome. Yes. Uh, first of all, I am a Christian, and I love the Lord with all my heart. And if it's up to me, and I would encourage everybody across America, uh, in our schools we need the Ten Commandments of God. We need uh, the a copy of the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, Hell on every wall. Uh, God gave the Ten Commandments for guidance and direction for morality and blessing. And even other religions, they read the Ten Commandments. I don't see how they could object because it is all good for humanity. Healthy minds makes healthy bodies. And healthy actions will be as a result of healthy minds. So um, thank you, Bishop Jackson. Thank you, Janet. God, God bless you. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more, Janet. We've got a very short time left, so let's try to get to as many calls as we can in the meantime. Let's go to Bill, also in Texas. Bill, welcome. Yes, sir. Uh, I love you, brother. I love your show. Thank you, um, sir. I'm a Vietnam veteran, and uh, one of my other brothers is also, he's now gone, I'm 75. We've got a military tradition going back to the Civil War. I'm from Christian County, Kentucky originally. And most of the men in the northern part of the county fought for the north. Most of them in the southern part fought for the south. In one case, two two of brothers, distant uncles of mine, 
we're on opposite sides. And uh, but you know something, um, you know these these video games and everything that that people play today. Some some adults, some some children. These violent video games, tour tour duty or whatever it's called, and all that. I've never played them. When I I spent 11 years in a Coastal River Division, um, later a SBU, a special boat unit, and we were taught about combat and fighting and mm -hmm. killing and breaking things when it was necessary. But there were consequences if we screwed up and we shot somebody that weren't supposed to be a civilian, yeah. unarmed civilian or something like that happened. There were serious consequences, and that was always over our head, like the Sword of Damocles. But these video games, and in, in, in real life, it's real people. But in these video games, these are not real people. I'm against Amen. them because hey, Bill. it's not real people, and there's no consequences. If you get shot, I guess you just start over. But in real life, you get shot, you may not. And if you shoot the wrong people in a video game, there's no consequences. And I just... I got you, Bill. Thank you for the call, Bill. Look, or, or you, you listen to all this gangster rap music that is talking about killing people and killing cops and, and uh, dealing drugs and, and, and all of that. You're right. All of that stuff is fantasy. But, you know, when you feed your psyche with that stuff constantly, if you are a little bit on the edge, it is precisely the kind of thing that will push you over. So... Look, we live in a free country and there is freedom of speech, but this comes back to the family, doesn't it? I watched my children like a hawk and I wanted to know what they were watching, what they were listening to, what they were reading, because I knew certain things were bad for them. And I was a censor <laughs> in my own family for my children. And we got to come back to that. The family's got to sow the right values into our kids. Folks, that's going to do it. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. And remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.